so far. But every so far. single time it gives us the heart attack of being like, oh crap, it didn't actually record. And then it did and, it, and then it's like, And then I uh-huh. find out that I can like, you know, download it from, from the browser or something like that. It's it's weird. I don't know. And I freak yeah. out because it's like, you expect me to tell these jokes again? I didn't even plan them <laughs> when I told them. <laughs> you think I planned well, anything out? I just say the first thing that comes to my head. We're one and done. <laughs> Hello, everyone. Welcome to episode 20 of Geekenspiel. My name is Jacob. I'm Jeff. And I'm Eric. And we're here to talk about a whole bunch of nonsense as we get closer to Xmas times. Yes, Xmas. Merry Crisis. Merry Christmas. Crimbus? Crimbus? Christmas? Crisis. Crisis? Yes. <laughs> Happy Crimbo. And, and every single time that this time comes around, for some reason, everybody knows it's my birthday. It's weird. <laughs> it's almost as like you're Jesus. I was born on Christmas Day, so. <laughs> That's Anita's mother is also born on Christmas, so she shares a birthday with you. Oh, okay. I, I know three people with a Christmas birthday, which is just weird. And none of them are Jesus. Yeah. There can only be one. I must find them. <laughs> Please don't chop off my mother-in-law's head. <laughs> In the words of one Darth Vader, you will try. There's no try, only do. <laughs> I'm joking. Can we just say how much better Yoda was in Empire Strikes Back than he was in, like, anything else? That's because he was, like, a hysterical old coot that's been on that planet alone for 20 years, and he's probably been doped out of his mind. Yeah, on ketamine, right? Yeah, ketamine, like... ketamine Yoda. <laughs> yeah. Oh, this uh... is weird. We were watching it last night. He's just, it's just, and he was like, where was this Yoda during the prequels? I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> best, Not on ketamine. <laughs> best fight in the Star Wars prequel, current, original trilogies was the fight between R2-D2 and Yoda for the stupid <laughs> lamp. He just takes the stick and he just starts smacking him. Mine! Mine! <laughs> Sometimes you just gotta get thwacked. <laughs> I don't know what you want right. out of, I don't know what you want out of Yoda. He's doing his best, okay? Yoda is amazing. Alright guys, uh, we got a lot to talk about today. I'm excited to talk about these things. I am super pumped to talk about my first topic today, and that is the Vigigame Control. Uh, I have a lot to say about this, so please bear with me. You can't control me. I will do as I what I want. All right. No. But but before I get into this, um, have any have either of you guys heard of the SCP Foundation? Uh, the hell is that? Okay, it means secure, contain, and protect. It is a essentially a giant fan fiction wiki of like creepy pastas and copy pastas about an organization called the the SCP Foundation Secure Contain Protect and uh where they just uh protect the world from malevolent and unexplainable forces they're written as heavily redacted kind of like internal files and memos they range from being really well written and creepy and disturbing to like just awful like all fan fiction is Be- or anything open to the masses cuz anyone can write one of these things and some of these have gotten really popular. So, like, there's one called SCP-3008, which is, like, an endless Ikea that people get stuck in. They can't leave. And they're, like, uh, attacked at night by, like, pseudo-employee-looking creatures that tell them they have to leave the building. <laughs> and and then there's one called – another popular one is uh, SCP-682, which is a reptilian creature 
uh, that just can't be killed. And somebody found a picture of what was like a rotting whale carcass, and they took that and they used that to be the inspiration for this creepy story about this monstrosity that no matter what cannot be killed. It always comes back. One of my favorites is SCP-1733. It's a digital recording of a 2010 basketball game between the Celtics and the Heat, where everyone, including the players in this video and the announcers and the audience, at every rewatch, they become more and more aware that they're trapped in a recording. What? (laughs) So, like, some of the stuff's, like, profoundly messed up, and you could, and just like TV tropes, you could dive into this and just not come out for a while. It's it's really neat and, and really cool. What happens when you combine the SCP Foundation, the video game Infamous, and then you add a pinch of uh, the book House of Leaves by Mark Z. Danielewski, a little bit of Night Vale, and a heaping spoonful of cosmic horror, and you get the video game Control. Control is a, a third-person action shooter. It's, it's come out for PC, PS4, and Xbox One, and it is the newest game from Remedy Entertainment, uh, which is a Finnish game developer that's given us, what is it, Max Payne, Quantum Break, and Alan Wake, which uh, Eric had mentioned to me before. It's a well-known game. I have played none of these before. Alan Wake is really good. Mm-hmm. And it actually kind of fits into the story a little bit. In this game, you're, play- you're playing this uh, woman named Jessie Faden, uh, and she's arrived at the Federal Bureau of Control in New York, which is this mysterious, like, brutalist-designed edifice of concrete and, like, 60s aesthetics and supernatural nonsense. And they call it the oldest house, and it's much bigger on the inside than it is on the outside. And so the FBC, this bureau, it's like a secret government facility designed for the sole purpose of controlling objects, locations, and people with the supernatural abilities. And we're not talking, like, X-Men Supernatural or, like, Vampires and Werewolves Supernatural. We're talking weird shit, okay? We're talking, like, like the new weird subgenre, like like the movie and book Annihilation kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. That, that, that kind of gives a good idea what it is, and... So what happens is as a child, this the main character and her brother, Dylan, were at the center of this huge event caused by one of these objects that was possessing a, um, a slide projector. And so the Bureau took her brother away, but Jessie escapes and lives her life out trying to figure out more about the Bureau and how she can get her brother back. She starts the game by entering the building because she just got a job as the janitor's assistant. And then almost immediately when she arrives... The Bureau is taken over by this malevolent force uh, that warps the architecture and possesses the employees, and it's called the Hiss, and she finds the director dead, and then she bonds with this crazy gun known as the service weapon, and she instantly becomes the new director. And now she has to go find the like the remaining employees and figure out how to stop the Hiss and stop them from like unleashing the horrors that are within this, this facility. The fuck? Yeah, I <laughs> this game is. I want to talk about what works in this game because this game is awesome. First of all, it reminds me of Infamous a lot, which is one of my mm-hmm. favorite games. Because in Infamous, you gain all these powers that were electrical in nature, but they were they all kind of modded the normal kind of like shooter thing. So like you had a you had a weapon that was like a pistol or like a shotgun or a piercing weapon, and you could also glide or create a shield or bombs all out of electricity, which was really cool. And control is the same thing because the service weapon can change forms between different types of guns and it auto refills your ammo. So you don't have to keep like you just got to let it cool down for a minute and you get all your, your bullets back. But you also get a cool bunch of telekinetic powers like the ability to throw crap, which is 
really powerful or create a shield or dash around like a super dodge. And then eventually you get the ability to fly and levitate, which is super cool. Leads to like this amazingly fun, like action gameplay, which is just a lot of fun to just sort of like run around and just kill things. It's a blast. Another cool thing about this is the atmosphere of this game, because it's this amazing brutalist style architecture kind of like with uh, that mixes with like non-Euclidean geometry, <laughs> that kind of Lovecraft like trope. Cause at one point you're, you're entering some weird place and Jesse comments like main character that like she feels nauseous just being there, which is exactly what like a cosmic horror location should make a mere mortal feel. And like the place is so mundane and, and just like, really well constructed like there are actual like bathrooms on every floor you can enter which i think is like a really cool thing that they remembered to add in there and everything feels familiar because there's like there's tons of cubicles and desks and paper and and like old school stuff because like i guess the bureau they mentioned they never had like a lot of money to upgrade so there's like old school computers and they use projectors and pneumatic tubes to send mail and everything in this game is fully destroyable you can just go around and just wreck shit up like paper flies the tables break you can pick everything up and just chuck it so what you have is these like normal cubicles and like this open geometric concrete area and this whole time it is just tinged with dread and terror because there's like ominous chanting the whole time from from the hiss or floating bodies just suspended in the air that you just can't interact with or you know they might come to life and start attacking you so you have this constant sense of dread and that's the kind of horror that I really like is this like unnerving, dread-filled, uh, you know, weird feeling without gore and violence. And so despite the fact that you're like this gun-toting badass, every time I entered a room, I was scared about what I was going to see because like it just builds up on that dread. The story's really engaging. This really cool side quests where you're trying to like contain some of the entities like a fridge that has to be constantly stared at or it will and I quote deviate and so you like have to touch that and you fight this like this boss that's like this most weird thing you've ever seen <laughs> there's it, it, it I can't explain it it looks like a giant like leech with an eye and and arms and it speaks weirdly at you and tries to kill you Wow. There's also like uh, a bunch of, there's like over 250 collectibles. You just find letters and correspondence and recordings and they're really cool to read because it just builds the myth around this place up. And it's kind of funny because it's like they're really mundane complaints sometimes, but like you're containing the weirdest and scariest things on the planet. And, like, there's actually three letters that are talking about uh, a young adult sci-fi novel that a book club there is reading, which I thought was just hysterical. And also you find, like, bizarre rooms that don't mean anything. Like, there's one room just covered in post-it notes. And all you find in there is, like, a modification for your gun and a note saying, Hi, my room is covered in post-it notes now. I'm not coming back to work till this is fixed. And, <laughs> and then, like, you find one room and all it is is, like, a sound area and you push a button and it plays a song. And you can just sit and listen to the song. And there's a, a collectible in there that's a questionnaire asking how you feel about the song and asking ridiculous questions about it. And that song is by Poets of the Fall. And it's called My Dark Disquiet. It's a Finnish band. And apparently they were in Alan Wake as well, I believe. Yeah, they did. They did the whole soundtrack for Alan Wake under like a pseudonym um, where they like in game uh, had music as uh, they were called the Old Gods of Asgard. Oh, that that shows up too. 
they show up as well. I'm, I'm, I'm going to talk about that in a moment. But, like, you could sit and listen to this song, and that's all there is to do in this room. And the song's really good, and I recommend people listen to it because I feel like My Dark to Squiet captures the feel of this game in a song, and I think that's really, really cool. Uh, I, I did have some complaints about it uh, because there's some issues that need to be addressed. The regular PS4 version, not the PS, like, um, the what is it, the PS4 Advanced, whatever that one is. Pro? Yeah, PS4 Pro. Like, that one apparently is fine, but on my regular system, there's tons of frame rate drops. So, like, if there's a lot of enemies or you're just loading it up, it just it, it just stutters. There are times where the game is just really cheap and will, like, like there's one scene where I opened an elevator and some, one of those, like, kamikaze bomb kind of enemies just runs in the minute it opens up. Like, you didn't even have a chance to, like, <laughs> stop it. And there is a boss halfway through that is near impossible. I don't know how I was able to get through it. I must have played him. I actually stopped in the middle of the night because I just couldn't handle it. And then I took it up in the morning because I couldn't handle how difficult he was. There's a lot of reviewers that say this game is easy and I hate them because I don't know what's because I died a lot. So <laughs> maybe I'm just bad at it, but I, I died a bunch. But despite the issues, I think this is a really cool game. It's very combat positive, exploration ready. It's People have been saying it's kind of a Metroidvania a little bit. It's super stylish. And IGN actually named it its game of the year last week. Nice. It gave, what is it? Is it called Sek- Sekiru? Yeah, Sekiru. Sekiru yeah. was their was their people's choice game of the year, but they I gave that 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 got game of the year at uh, Game Awards on Friday. Yeah, and uh, I think Control was definitely one of the ones that was listed too, because I think it's it's gotten a bunch of of praise, and it's uh it's interesting. So the the last two things I want to talk about this is one, there's a really fun music section called the Ashtray Maze. If you don't plan to play this game or you don't want anything spoiled, look it up on YouTube. It's essentially like a music section with the old gods of Asgard and it's really cool. But if you want to play it, I would hold off on watching it because it's a cool thing to just happen. I played that game, that section with just smiling ear to ear because it was just so fun. And then the game really tries to creep you out at times. You'll find uh, it seems some of the employees tried to create a puppet show for any kids that had to be in the building called the threshold kids. And uh, like a lot of Remedy games, apparently they use like they, they combine the the compute the CGI computer characters with real life recordings. So whenever you see a recording of people, it's actual actors. And so this is an actual puppet show <laughs> designed to be as disturbing as possible. And oh my uh, god, it was. I I, uh, I I shared the first episode of it with uh, Eric and Jeff here, and I'm asking if you guys actually watched that minute and a half nonsense. Yes, uh, I did. <laughs> I, tr- I I tried to, but I didn't understand what it was about, so I turned it off. Yeah, I was I was actually there when you first ran into it. Oh, you were. That's right. You because Jeff watched me play this a little bit the day after Extra Life because that's when I first started it. Yep. And and we ran into it, and it was um, it's so disturbing. <laughs> yeah, it's like. Oh, my mom is missing. I wish someone would find her. And at the and end, then, she just looks right at the camera and she's like, we'll find her together. And that's and that's when you that's when you commit a hate crime, because no, <laughs> it's um, it's it, it's it's actually really good. So I'm I highly recommend this game to anyone who who if any of this sounds appealing, please check it out. So that is control question jacob yes do you have the physical version of it i do do you want me to lend it to you yes please i will send it to you 
I will mail it to you because this game is fun. So yeah. Okay. All right. So that was control. Uh, let's talk about a Star War. Yeah, let's do a Star War. So episode nine is coming out next week, and we are going to go see that. But before that, about a month ago, and as much as I hate to say this, EA made a good game. What? What? I don't believe EA you. Made EA made a good single-player Star Wars game with no DLC. Okay, but, ha- no but how are the microtransactions? There are no microtransactions. I don't believe you. You're lying. There are. You'll find out next week when I lend you the game, but there's no microtransactions. Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order is about what it sounds like. It's a Star War, you're a Jedi, and the Order has fallen. It's set five years after the events of Revenge of the Sith. So it's five years after Order 66. And your player character uh, was a Padawan during that time. And it's five years later, he's been in hiding. And you know the the Star Wars thing where there's Inquisitors and they hunt down the Jedi. And that's the thing that you have to deal with. Because at the very beginning of the game, you he uses the Force to save uh, like his friend uh, on that planet or whatever. And then the Inquisitors come and then things happen. And then you get a lightsaber that you already had. And you could lightsaber things. Pew pew, bang bang. Gameplay wise, it's very explorative. I think like uh, Uncharted or Tomb Raider or something like that in terms of like exploring the different planets you go to. But the combat is very Dark Souls-y. It's based around like parrying and, and this and that. The biggest gripe that I have with the combat is that there's like a mana bar for how much of the force that you can use. Boo. Yeah. But there are stormtroopers who have rocket launchers and they will shoot rockets at you. <laughs> and you know what you can do? You can force push that rocket right back into them. <laughs> I want to say that in control, you do the same thing. You can catch their, their, their rockets and send it back at them. Yeah, no, they'll, they'll shoot a rocket at you and you're like, you're dead now, Jedi. And they shoot a rocket at you and you're just like, pew. <laughs> um, but it, it, it's a very good game. I don't want to spoil too much of the story that takes place in the main events of the game, but I will say that there's a sequence probably about three quarters of the way through the game. Uh, and it's not actually a very long game, but they make you, uh, as a Padawan, because it's a flashback sequence, they make you live through Order 66, like see all that happening and watch your master die. Ooh. Yeah, uh, it's very emotional, but I do enjoy the uh, the the exploration is is really fun. You get to go to like four or five different planets. You get to go to Kashyyyk. Yes. You get to go to Dathomir, which is Darth Maul's homeworld. There's another planet called Zepho. There is a planet called Bagano, which is like where your main objective for most of the game, you have to go and explore the other worlds to get some stuff to go into a vault that's there. Because you're trying to find a Jedi holocron that has a map to all the Force-sensitive like children around the galaxy. That's a plot in Star Wars Rebels. Not Rebels, Um, Star War- Clone Wars. The Clone Wars Clone TV Wars? show. It might be, I don't know. But that's that's the main goal for most of the game is finding that holocron. And as I'm playing the game, I'm thinking, why do we want to find this and train more Jedi when we have Darth Vader and the Inquisition out 
right? Doesn't make a lot of sense because they'll just hunt you down and kill you anyway. <sighs> what else? Lightsaber customization. You can find uh, so there's like treasure chests throughout all the worlds, and you can find different lightsaber parts, uh, different paint schemes for your ship, different paint schemes for your robot. Who his name? The robot. His name is BD One. He's Buddy. Oh. Oh, buddy. What else? You can get different ponchos, because the main character wears ponchos. Probably the coolest sequence in the game is when you go to the planet Ilum, which, if you pay attention to the way the planet looks, you'll probably put two and two together and realize that that's the planet that the First Order makes into Starkiller Base, because it's got that big, deep trench around the middle of it. Oh, cool. Um, you go there to find a new kyber crystal for your lightsaber, because about two-thirds into the game, uh, he ends up. the main character ends up having a flashback, and he breaks his lightsaber. So you go there to find a, a new kyber crystal, and you put together a new lightsaber. And hopefully at this point you already have like the, the double-blade lightsaber, but when you do that part, you get the ability to take the two halves apart and dual wield. <laughs> and it's really, really cool. it's really cool and it's really strong, but it's not an infinite thing. Like, it's a quick combo and it uses some of your force bar. That's garbage. <laughs> yeah. Um, but it's really strong. So it makes sense, like, why they would balance it that way. So, like, you get that and then you have to fight your way back out and stormtroopers you're just like cutting them down left and right for most of the game up until that point you can only choose between blue or green for your lightsaber colors but at that point you get like a whole like wide range of colors you can choose from you do get to fight uh, ATSTs nice oh, oh yeah I saw the uh, I saw a video of that of fighting one yeah you fight you fight some ATSTs uh, when you go to Kashyyyk you actually hijack an ATAT. Yes, I saw the video of that. You, you hijack an ATAT, and then Saw Gerrera, who's the Forest Whitaker's character from uh, Rogue One, he's there. Also on Kashyyyk is Tarful, who is one of the Wookiees that was with Yoda in Episode Three. Nice. Yeah. I also very much enjoy like the skill tree and the way that leveling up your force powers and your lightsaber techniques. I enjoy the way that works because like I said, it's very... Like for the combat, it's kind of Dark Souls-y. So you go to like these meditation circles and you can rest and restore your health and your your healing items. You can level up your skills and all that. But probably simultaneously the most funny and most annoying part of that game is that the enemies will taunt you when they kill you. <laughs> so when I first like when I first put the game up and I was on the first planet, like, right after the Inquisitors find you and you're on the run. Stormtroopers are shooting at me. And I didn't realize that I had a stamina bar for how much I could block. So I was just holding the block button and blocking all the blaster shots, right? And Stormtroopers kill me. And one of them goes, promotions for everyone! <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. So that's funny. But then the annoying part is that because the combat is very Dark Souls-like, uh, you have to be kind of on your toes at times. And so I'm fighting the boss on Kashyyyk later in the game, and it's one of the Inquisitors. 
and I'm having a hard time because this lady alien thing, it's like a truck, right? Mm-hmm. So I keep dying, and I'm trying to figure out, trying to, to learn her movement patterns. And she kills me at one point, and she like looks down at his corpse and goes, getting frustrated? And I was like, yes, <laughs> thank you for asking. Wait, is this the one that's like a giant monster? Yeah. Uh, Angry Joe, the video game reviewer, did a full review on this game, and he has a montage of all the times he died and how frustrated he got at that one character. Yeah, she's she's a, she's 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 a bitch, and I hate her. Um, I don't, I don't, because you only come across her, and she's the ninth sister, the ninth inquisitor, and you also come across the second sister. And I'm not going to go too far into her because that's very spoilery and I want you to to see that for yourself. But her story is her story is really good. At the very end of the game, Darth Vader shows up. I'm a fan. But that's bad. <laughs> it's very bad because you just you just fought the final boss of the game, right? And so you don't have healing items. You're already low on health and oh, Darth Vader's here. Oh no. And so he kills he kills a couple people. And then he walks up to you uh, with his lightsaber on, and then main character guy turns his on, and Darth Vader goes, you would be wise to flee. Or he's like, you would be wise to surrender. And he goes like, yeah, probably. <laughs> and so you don't you don't actually fight Darth Vader. Um, he like is He's like holding you, and you force pull something at him, and then it's literally just trying to run away from him after that. And it's terrifying. It's amazing. Cinematic wonder so it was more rogue rogue one vader versus uh old darth vader yeah it was it was more it was more like rogue one vader Oof. yeah empire strikes back vader is not that scary now that i rewatch the movie again like because yeah no no no, no he shows up and he's he's just i mean it's darth vader right like if you've watched anything or read any of the comics and know like how darth vader is other than like in episode four five or six it's terrifying. Yeah. Because the dude's like six seven, half machine, can choke you by looking at you, like And he um, he will kill you without giving a second thought. He yeah. you know he, he, he will not weigh on his mind or his decisions at all. He will just kill you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's what he does. So you have that sequence. And then also I'm not sure I didn't pay too close of attention to the credits. But I think they also had John Williams compose the music for the game, Ooh. Um, Ooh. because the music feels very Star Wars. It feels very like that kind of whimsical, like fun sound that Star Wars music has. They also play the song from Revenge of the Sith from during Order sixty six. They play that when you're doing the Order sixty six sequence. Uh, that's that's it's, heartbreaking. It's it hurt. It hurt a lot. I wasn't ready for it. But yeah, go go play a Star Wars. I'm excited to check that out. I don't know if you've you've done this before at, at uh in Disney Springs in Orlando they have a VR experience that's a Star Wars thing. It's one of the coolest things I've ever done because it's a full body experience where they guide you through an actual building, but you just see a Star Wars everywhere. And at the end, Darth Vader shows up and it's one of the most frightening things, and you keep shooting at him, and of course it doesn't do a damn thing. <laughs> Oh, that's how it felt when he showed up at the end of the game, because he just shows up, kills two people, and he's like, you would be wise to surrender. And you're like, yeah, probably, but I'm not going to do it, so <laughs> I guess I'm going to die. Like, 
like I didn't know that there was that part where you're gonna run away. I'm just thinking, oh, I guess this is the end of the game. The main character just dies. <laughs> Roll credits. <laughs> Roll credits. Darth Vader's here. Uh, just a quick aside before we jump to Jeff's thing. Uh, Anita has been playing Luigi's Mansion Three, which I got her yes. as a Christmas gift. I gave it to her early so she could play it. And uh, she just sent a snap before that says, I finally beat that music son of a bitch ghost. Yeah, I just saw Oh, it. yeah. He... <laughs> I watched yeah. Jeff play that one. That was frustrating. Yeah, it was frustrating until I learned how to actually do it. And then it's like, oh. Just so to warn you, Jacob, there is going to be a water level. Son of a and you oh And you know what water levels do. No. They suck. <laughs> They only suck if you suck. No, two this words, water level sucked. Two words, six letters. Shut up. Is get it, good. Is it get good? <laughs> 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 All right, Jeff, what okay, you got for so, us? Okay, so my thing is Clank Legacy Acquisitions Incorporated. Oh, nice. Clank is a uh, board game where... It's basically your run-of-the-mill deck builder like Ascension or uh, or like, uh, seriously, Jeff, you're blanking on the name of the original one? Dominion. Clank. Dominion. Dominion. Star Realms. But, Clank. But Marvel yeah, Legendary. It's... Clank in space. <laughs> <laughs> the game is a legacy... It's in the name, a legacy style game based off of the Clank uh, original game. Uh, I have a question really quick. Yes. What is What does it mean when it's a legacy game? Because, yeah, I'm dumb and I don't know. So I was actually going to get into that. Okay. Uh, so legacy games are games that are kind of campaign style. So like each game you do, there are certain things that change and will open up that will affect the next game. And in this one, you play as a new franchise of Acquisitions Incorporated. For those of you who don't know, uh, it's a fictional adventuring company in the world of D&D, Dungeons & Dragons. Uh, it was made popular by uh, the Penny Arcade people and... You basically play as a new franchise that's trying to uh, spread the Acquisitions Incorporated name and eventually try and uh, deal with the uh, Dragon Overlord that has taken over a, an area of the uh, the area that you're based in. And it's actually a really cool game because unlike the original Clank game, it actually rewards you for exploring more because throughout the board, there's there are elements like, oh, go to this space and a special event happens. Or, oh, uh, you have to fulfill this contract. You got to get over to this one. And it's, it's actually really cool. It's really fun. I believe the game has... Um, has a 10-game uh, limit on the campaign itself, but once you're done, you can actually continue playing it as its own game. So you'll have unique things all over your board. You'll unlock certain uh, relics and like treasures and like 
different icons on the board that can help you out and do things. I don't think it's like a very high uh, variability on what you unlock and what happens. And really, I enjoyed a lot because they did also did a lot of. Uh, they kept the base rules, but they did a lot of quality of life changes to it. So, like, uh, guys, you played Clank before, right? I love Clank. I love Clank in space. So, you know how you have to stop on a space in order to get that thing, whether it's the secret or, like, the uh, the relics, the treasures? Yeah. But you, you can't keep moving after you pick it up? Correct. Oh, God, I've been playing that wrong. So have I, but I so don't you've, care. So you've been playing it the way that Legacy does it. Because the way that they do it is that you can move, and you don't have to stop on the space to get it, but you can only get one benefit of it. So if you pass like a uh, mystery space, a, a treasure space, and like a uh, healing space, you can choose only one out of those three to activate so it adds a little bit more strategy to it and also makes it so you can move fairly quickly and keep with that exploration element of the game. Uh, how many games have you played so far, did you say? We're about three into the game. And unfortunately, two of the people are going to uh, uh, go to be on vacation for a little while. So it's on hiatus for right now. But I'm definitely looking forward to playing another game of it. They're ruining your life. Remo yes. Remove them. And I'm not going to name drop them. Lloyd. <laughs> Christine. <laughs> totally not going to name drop them or anything. Execute Order 66. <laughs> <laughs> but no, they, they definitely deserve the break and uh, vacation and everything. And don't apologize. Can't for wait them. to bring it back out. I haven't I haven't watched or seen anything to do with Acquisitions Incorporated, but I am looking it up right now. I didn't realize that it had like Patrick Rothfuss and um, oh, yeah. Scott Kurtz and Will Wheaton. Uh, that's a that's an all star cast of people right there. That that is some nerd stuff right there. Will Wheaton, yeah. Acquisitions Incorporated was originally created by uh, the creators of Pack of uh, Penny Arcade. Chris Perkins is always the DM for the events, and it's. It's actually fun watching them because they'll usually do like one shot at Apex and it'll be based on the current or future D&D uh, &D adventure that's going to come out. So like they did one for uh, third campaign, I believe it was the one where they went to the Underdark and fought the uh, uh, demons, the Lords of Hell. Yeah, that was a few years ago, but. Yeah, they did like an event based around that, and it's actually really cool. And the uh, characters do have uh, cameos in it, so it's a uh, having a little bit of knowledge on it is great to get like the little bits of it. But you can really play it as just a kind of you don't have to have that much knowledge on it, just kind of a baseline like oh, acquisitions incorporated as a. Uh, is an adventuring company. That's really all you need to know. I'm excited. I hope I can put some people together to try this out because I'm a big Clank guy and uh, and I think that'd be a lot of fun. Yes. 
I know I can rope Eric into it. He has no choice, but uh, and and maybe <laughs> and maybe Anita, but we'll see. Clank. <laughs> Clank. Clank. The next thing I wanted to talk about is just a, a quick little blurb, I guess. Um, for anybody who owned uh, an original Xbox or an Xbox 360, Halo, the the shootery, you get to be an armory dude in this future in space. Uh, is coming to PC finally. They are releasing the games in uh, sequential, not not sequential, what's the word? Chronological order? As uh, like how the events take place. But you can buy the whole collection, it's only $40. Or you can buy the individual games for 10 each. But $40 for six games seems a lot better than $60 for six games. Yes. Um, and the first, I haven't bought it yet because I've just been playing 5 million other things and going real hard on Breath of the Wild. Uh, they, they put out Halo Reach, it was about two weeks ago now, which is probably my favorite in the series because it's the only game aside from ODST where you don't play as Master Chief. You actually like get to create your own custom character for the story. I'm not big on like the multiplayer, but I always loved the futuristic like sci-fi space setting of Halo. Uh, and the story is really good, so I enjoy that and I'm looking forward to playing that at some point soon hopefully my old college roommate was a huge halo fan so i never played it i've always watched him play it and uh i could see the appeal it's a real oh yeah no i i I love i love the story the story is really good and the and the gameplay is always supposed to be really solid too for those people like it seemed to be the the new golden eye in terms of like where people would sit around play multiplayer on a console uh at the time yeah yeah at the at the time like at the time like when halo one came out yeah um, but then Halo 2 came out, and an Xbox Live was a thing, and everything was online. So, but uh, yeah, the the story is really good. If you if you don't want to actually play it, at least like maybe look into a video for the story because it's really well done. Jeff. Yes. Sorry. What is Terror Below? Terror Below is legally distinct from <laughs> Tremors, but it is Tremors the board game. Is Kevin Bacon in it? And- no, he isn't. Then but what he, is the point? But, <laughs> <laughs> but there was a fun little fact of, in the credits, they did mention Kevin Bacon <laughs> in the credits of the uh, rule book. Because uh, it was a recent Kickstarter that came out from Renegade Game Studios. They made Clank. It's a competitive game where each of you plays a party of uh, worm hunters. And then this case, the worms is weapons of something R, something M. I totally forgot, but it was something very uh, cheeky on just having them named worms because they're literally worms <laughs> from uh, from Tremors. But legally distinct, again, and they're all different types. Uh, it's a very take-that game. When I first played it, I kind of knew what I was getting into. It was a lot of moving around and trying to collect a the worm eggs and deliver them to places and try and hunt and kill the worms. But I can see where it's a good game, where the mechanics are really good because you play cards and that is your that's your action points. You can move around the board. You can deliver eggs. You can pick them up. You can into different positions. Once 
a worm gets a certain amount of movement cards on it, it's going to attack the players. So based on a thing, it'll attack in a certain way and it'll uh, literally uh, cause more destruction, cause more rubble, shoot out more eggs because supposedly they're very fertile now. <laughs> their mating season. And if anybody's caught in it, in the attack, they're going to die unless they either A, kill the, kill the worm, or B, they have something that says, oh, hey, you don't die. It's a very cutthroat and take that game. I didn't know how much of a take that <laughs> slash cutthroat game it was going to be. First time, it was fun. It was like, ah, ha, 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 you killed three of us, ah, ha, ha. And then second time, I'm like, uh, okay. Then there are the take that cards where you can steal things from people. I've gotten stolen from multiple times. And that left a bad taste in my mouth. <laughs> I can see where this game can be good. And it's not going to be for everybody. And guess who part of that everybody is? <laughs> Jeff. Jeff? <laughs> yes. Because it's very random. The cards, it's random what uh, bounties are going to be out, what worms are going to be attacking. Uh, you can't really predict how people are going to move. What, And it's extremely random. And I'm not really like the uh, Euro style, like eight like i need a spreadsheet of knowing exactly what moves to do but also i love my ameritrash games this is ameritrash through and through but sometimes it's just like it's a little too much take that a little too much randomness and it just kind of it kind of left a bad taste in my mouth at the end the others that played it were all we're kind of all right. We're all right with it, but it was just like it's not something that I'd keep, necessarily keep in my collection. I have games like Bloodborne, the card game, which is fairly cutthroat, but also you you're all working towards a common goal of trying to defeat the monster. I also have that game. But with this, it's purely competitive, so you are incentivized to try and get those worms to attack the other players to kill those other players and oh i totally forgot to mention the winning condition the end game conditions so it's either the person that first gets to 20 points or the person that has all three of their members killed that person doesn't score any points so the person that dies gets nothing <laughs> Which is very much like Clank once you're when you're in the danger zone, but it's like, yeah, but it's good that it doesn't have player elimination. It just that that's the end game trigger, and then they don't just sit around and be like, "Okay, I guess I'm out." That's good at least, because that would have, yeah, that would have been lame and would have been. Eh. It's always the worst. I didn't really want to end on a critical note with this, but I can see where other people will get an entertainment from this. Uh, some people that like Munchkin and like uh, 
things like that. Uh, but I may be looking to uh, solve that game. If people want it, I'll certainly play it. But it's uh, I think it's going to be very much in the category of the uh, Star Wars Rebellion for me. Oh, what you're playing again. You have no choice. <laughs> I, I I will end this on this this thing you have on a positive note because I was looking at this on my phones while you were talking about it and this I know they're not they're not paying us and they should and they're not sending us free samples but they should but can we can we give a shout out to Renegade Game Studios for having a pretty good collection of games and also having some really stylish looking games like yeah this game might not have fit your your like gameplay aesthetic but man it is pretty to look at yeah it is it's very pretty the one problem were the eggs because if you look at them one of them is a very deep purple almost like a maroon and then the other one is a is a darker pink color and guess what one of my friends are colorblind he's colorblind he had a lot of trouble uh distinguishing between the colors those two colors there but still, it it's a high production value. It's really pretty. It it's it looks really cool. It has a great uh, great presence on the table. But gameplay for me was kind of the sticking point there. I want to bring this back to uh, Eric, who I believe has something he else he wanted to, to discuss. Yes. So Friday, uh, I finished playing through Breath of the Wild again, The Legend of Zelda, which almost three years ago I wrote the article for when we were still doing that. Yes, we did. You did. In the, in the, um, yes. My opinions on that game have not changed at all. Um, it's still, if you have ever played any of the Zelda games, uh, very fun. The biggest issue that I have with the game is when it rains and you're trying to climb something, you slip and it's annoying and I hate it. <laughs> But my, no, my opinions on that game have not changed. I, I still enjoy it as much as I did then. If you like the big open world, definitely play that game and do some Master Sword things. I will post the link to that article in the podcast notes. It's definitely worth checking out. And and as usual, Eric's articles are actually some of the most successful ones we've had on the website. I'm good. At, I'm good for something. I guess you're good, you're good for some. Your 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 per- your Soulsborne per- article is one of our our top. Uh, top articles for sure. I will Pro- I will post the link for this one again on there as well. Profanity, bad jokes, writing articles. <laughs> Bringing back from a previous episode, I saw Knives Out, and Jacob, you were totally wrong. It was horrible. It was the worst. No, I'm joking. It was freaking fantastic. You're damn right. <laughs> it's if you are not a Ryan Jan- Johnson fan. If Star Wars The Last Jedi left a bad taste in your mouth, take out the Listerine, take out the rubbing alcohol, wash out your mouth, because this movie is freaking fantastic. You have to see it. It is a class. It's it's an homage to the classic whodunits with a lot of different twi- with a lot of twists and turns, and it has Daniel Craig. With probably one of the funny funniest accents coming out of his mouth, where 
to take it from uh, Chris Evans, it is he is basically CSI KFC. <laughs> it is amazing. I loved it so much. I saw it a second time, and it was still as good as the first, even though I knew the conclusion of it. I would like to add on here to to what you said about if uh, Star Wars The Last Jedi left a bad taste in your mouth. Uh, if you're one of those people, get over yourself. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Yes. I liked it. I recommended it to some people, and their reasoning for not going to see it was because they didn't want to give Ryan Johnson any support for possibly any other Star Wars movies. And I'm just like, excuse my language, but are you fucking kidding me? That's well, premature. It just pissed me off. I, it's, yeah. it, it, let's, like, let's, let's level here. Star Wars fanboys are a bunch of fucking piss babies. Like, I yes. enjoy Star Wars for what it is. It's not supposed to be super serious. Literally, like, get over yourself. I'm using this fucking this magic power to choke people. Get over it. It's awesome. It's hilarious. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, like it's just Star. The Star Wars. If you're out there and you're a huge Star Wars fan and you hate the Last Jedi, um, I'm a t- I'm a, I'm gonna tell you right now. I'm not. We're not mad at you. I don't. We don't hate you. Oh, I'm mad at we're you. Just, yeah. Oh no, no. Because no. here's the thing. I don't want to alienate people, but on the same time, Eric's totally right. Get over yourself. <laughs> There's a lot of cool stuff in that movie. It, it did not ruin your childhood. It did not ruin the past Star Wars. It's not Jar Jar Binks, for God's sake. Oh, God, Jar Jar Binks. You do not talk shit about Jar Jar Binks in front of me. I, <laughs> I will talk shit about Jar Jar Binks. He's a racist caricature and an embarrassment. He's, he's also a, a Dark he's Lord a do- of the Sith. He's yeah. a doing his best. <laughs> <laughs> and unfortunately, it's like... The couple of people that I spoke to about it that I really mentioned it, and it's like I can under- kind of understand where they're coming from, but it's like, dude, who hasn't had a f- flop? Who hasn't had like that blech moment, such as the totally not produced uh, fourth Indiana Jones movie that didn't release at all? I don't know what you're talking about. I know it doesn't exist. There was rumor of it. Something about crystals and skulls? No, don't, I never even heard of that. <laughs> you know, I heard that if you climb into a lead-lined refrigerator, you can survive a nuclear blast. <laughs> <laughs> That's just hearsay. Look, Last Jedi has uh, its problems. It, it does. There are there are absolutely. legit problems in that movie. And yeah, but every every... Not only every Star Wars movie, but every movie in general is going to have its problems. It's, it's mm-hmm. true. And and the sequels in general, I think, have a lot of significant flaws that, that, that just... I'm sorry, but nothing is going to recapture the magic of the original trilogy. Or just, like, the brilliance of some of those movies, like Empire Strikes Back, which, again, also has, mis- like, errors. Like, for God's sakes, that scene in the cave on Dagobah just slows the whole damn thing down. It doesn't make a, an ounce of sense. It's just like just enjoy it. Just sit back and watch the laser wizards <laughs> attack each other with, with glow sticks. Okay, just like. But definitely seems that Ryan Johnson's forte is like that mystery kind of noir style thing. Knives Out, really worth it. If you aren't a fan of Ryan Ryan Johnson for the Last Jedi, again, mouthwash, rubbing alcohol. <laughs> gasoline uh, not not gasoline i'm sorry whatever it takes to get that taste out of your mouth 
The sacred Jedi See text. It. <laughs> See it. I don't know how that's a complaint, by the way. That was a completely accurate depiction of Yoda. That was the most, that was a lot more accurate than the prequels. Oh, yes. uh, chaotic, neutral, lights a tree on fire, laughs at Luke. Yeah, like that's yeah. totally, that's totally more in line with Yoda's character than any of the nonsense from the prequel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely, yeah. I, w- I want to finish off today's thing here. Uh, I'm going to try not to rant too hard because it really doesn't matter that much, but I do get mad about this stuff. Uh, Anita and I went to go see Frozen 2. Now, I, I'm a fan of Disney and I'm a fan of animation, so like I couldn't not go see this movie designed for little girls. Olaf is the worst! I just want to say, whatever is upsetting you about this movie, just let it go. Oh, I'm going <laughs> to... I, I walked right into that so hard that my nose hurts right now. <laughs> Better put some ice on it. So here's the thing. The, the original Frozen. The original Frozen is a good movie. It is not a great movie. It's not a bad movie. It's just a good movie. It is, as I like to call it, it is a 7 out of 10 film with a 10 out of 10 song in it. And I don't care how cynical or contrarian you want to be, Let It Go is a fantastic fucking piece of music. And if you don't like it or you're sick of it, it's only because it was played a million freaking times and overplayed things will do that. You know, speaking speaking of that, um, in Kingdom Hearts 3, when you go to the Frozen World, you they they do that sequence from the movie where she sings it and everything, and then uh, the main character he go, he just goes, "What just happened?" <laughs> <laughs> it's like we felt obligated to put that in here. Just the oh, whole sequence, they the whole sequence. They definitely did. <laughs> but anyway, I, I think it's I I still think it's a good song. I think it's the best part of that movie. And uh, for Frozen itself is not like a super strong movie from beginning to end. It kind of falls apart in the third act. It's it sacrifices like cool character development for like cheap laughs and that stupid fucking snowman. To oh, me, off, you son of a. It is not as good as the movies that Disney made afterwards, especially like Zootopia, which is fantastic, and Moana, which y'all know is like my jam. But despite this, like. Frozen is important when it comes to like Disney animation history because people are saying it's like it's it's what started what they're calling like the second Disney Renaissance. You know, you had the first one with Little Mermaid and all those huge hits that happened in the 90s. And it kind of like Frozen helped revitalize that. I, I have some numbers here. It made 400 million freaking dollars domestically. It is the 15th highest grossing film, formerly the fifth highest at its peak of films. It is the second highest grossing animated film. And it is one of the only 18 films in cinematic history to surpass $1 billion. And the first wow. animated one since Toy Story 3 to do so. And it's, so it, it, it made a lot of money. It, people really liked it. So what I'm trying to say here is that obviously Disney was going to make a freaking sequel of it. And here's what and, happens. And it wasn't straight to VHS this time. I know, but it kind of felt like it should have been. Mm. Mm-hmm. So here's what happens. Uh, it, it, you got Anna and Elsa. It opens up with them as little kids being told a story by their parents. Uh, and, the, and the story they're being told is about how their grandfather and these like other civilization of people, I think in an enchanted forest near them, came together to sort of like create an alliance. And then a fight broke out. But these cool people like these people in the forest they could control or they worked with spirits of elements so they could like walk on water or levitate in the air or other cool stuff like that and then a fight breaks out no one knows who starts it and the elemental spirits get annoyed and they close off the forest and keep people trapped in there they can't get out people can't get back in 
Incest. Lots and lots of incest. <laughs> wow. It raises questions. As, as So as an adult now, Elsa is starting to hear this voice singing to her that no one else hears. And it's coming from the Enchanted Woods. Uh, meanwhile, Kristoff, uh, the, the guy character, does not know how to propose to Anna, voiced by Kristen Bell. And that's a whole subplot that seemed more better for a straight-to-VHS video or a TV episode than a movie. And then Olaf the Snowman is having an existential crisis, uh, which was actually kind of funny. And at no point do the conflicts in this film feel real or important or does anything feel earned. The film is really, really pretty. It is gorgeous. It is probably the most visually stunning animated film I've ever seen. The music is really good. I think it's better than the first one overall. Except for Let It Go, but you can't compare that. Um, And everything involving Idina Menzel and Elsa is awesome. So throughout the movie, Anita and I just kept getting pissed off whenever the film was not focusing on her. Because she was the only good thing happening in that whole movie. And they just keep cutting to that fucking snowman. Fuck you, Olaf. Totally. The movie's all over the place. Like, is it an epic adventure? Is it a slapstick comedy with sitcom-level hijinks? Is it, like, some story about tolerance or some nonsense? I don't know, because it definitely couldn't balance them all out. The thing is, all the characters which meshed fine, like, in the first movie, they all feel like they're in different movies, and it doesn't come together to feel like a story. The entire film can be summed up in one fucking scene right in the middle of the goddamn movie, where Kristoff... He's sad that he can't figure out how to propose to Anna, which, again, is a really boring plot. So he has a 90s-style R&B song slash music video with the reindeer as backup singers. I know it doesn't make any sense. And it's actually a really funny scene, except, except, A, I don't care about the stupid subplot. B, it brings the whole movie to a grinding halt. (laughs) And C, we spent the entire time wondering, both Anita and I, when was this going to finish so we could get back to the actual plot? We just spent the entire time wondering why we were wasting our time with dumb snowman songs and dumb reindeer songs when there's an honest-to-God mystery to solve and we don't know what's happening because some schmuck is singing some bullshit with a bunch of Christmas deer. I'm... <sighs> and that fucking snowman, I cannot stand it. At the end of the movie, I don't care, I'm spoiling it right now, he has a honest-to-God, Mr. Stark, I don't feel so good scene and <laughs> disappears and... And these cowards couldn't leave his snowy ass dead. They had to bring him back. And every scene with him is unbearable. He's just like, it's, uh, so here's the thing. In conclusion, (laughs) what a dude in his thirties thinks about this movie doesn't matter because all the children's is going to go see it. It's made a ton of money. And every kid I know who's went to see it, including like my niece and nephew, actually, no, my niece loved it. My nephew won't talk about it for some reason. He, he, you can't ask him about it. He hated it. He, he won't tell you why. It's going to make a ton of money. People people other than me liked it. Um, uh, Sean and Emily loved it. Uh, my, my assistant at work loved it. I'll keep listening to Idina Menzel. I don't think this is a good movie. So that's my <laughs> review of Frozen 2. You sound you sound very flustered about this movie. I just... It, it was annoying. I like... We... we when you get taken out of a movie, when you get like forcibly removed from the fact you're watching a film, like Anita and I looked at each other a couple times during the film, we're like, what the hell is happening? It's it's not great. Anyway, that that's it. So in conclusion, Knives Out, awesome. Frozen Two, terrible. Jedi Fallen Order, awesome. Terror Below, not so good. Control, awesome. 
guys, thanks for joining me today so I can ramble on about animated movies for children's. <laughs> yes. You know, rant, Jacob, rant. You know, I, I, I ain't going to stop you. You're just going to do it anyway. Whether <laughs> I'm here or not, you know, at least I get to laugh at it. <laughs> uh, we'll we'll be back next week where uh, at least Eric and I we're, we're going to we have tickets to go see the new Star Wars and we can talk about that. And uh I haven't seen the new Mandalorian just a reminder the next one comes out on Wednesday I think. Oh dude, the new the new Mandal- the one from this week was amazing. I haven't seen it yet. I can't wait to see it. So Jeff, if you plan to see it, we can we can talk about it. Uh Jeff yes. and I will come back we'll either join with Sean and Emily or we'll do our own thing to talk about packs which we did last weekend. And so, so stick around because we got some cool stuff to talk about. Thanks you all so much for listening today. <laughs> uh, once again, my name is Jacob. I'm Jeff. I'm Eric. And we are Geek and Spiel. You all have a great week and we'll catch you later. Bye. Bye. <laughs>